this year, uh, each quarter, we're having uh, a Sunday where we have a missions focus rather than uh, just having one missions festival or conference. Uh, uh, so we're uh, taking a Sunday, and this Sunday uh, we are focusing on England. You may say, well, why, why England? Uh, it's such a civilized place, right? It's, uh, you know, they're, they're just like us. Surely their churches are full. Surely, um, I mean, after all, Christianity has such deep roots there. Um, and yet we recognize that there are great needs that you will be hearing about. About eight years ago, uh, as a mission team, we determined that we would uh, focus on uh, certain areas of the world where we already had some relationships and that we would go deeper, that rather than just kind of being spread out uh, shotgun style, so to speak, that uh, we would uh, build relationships and uh, we would really try to focus since we can't really evangelize the whole world. So our four primary focus areas are Bulgaria, Ukraine, Haiti, and England. All of them very different, all of them with great needs. And we are thrilled today to have uh, three of our partners who are working in the country of England. Uh, you will see their bios. I'm not going to uh, introduce each one. They will go in uh, this order, just to keep it easy. And uh, we are, we're grateful that you were able to be here today. And uh, we pray that God will bless our congregation uh, through you and uh, you through our congregation. Chuck? Thank you so much, Dale. It is a delight and a pleasure to be back here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. I'd like to thank you for all of those people that you have sent over as teams, three or four times teams, pastors. You know, I've noticed something about people from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. We're going to take a trip to Oxford, England. We're going to take a tour, and so we couldn't get everybody in a car. We didn't want to go on the bus or the train, so I rented a van. So I was in a nine-passenger van with a team from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. And let me tell you, these people know how to have a good time. <laughs> let me tell you, these people were determ determined to put the fun back in fundamentalism. <laughs> these people were determined to have more fun than Presbyterians ought to have. And we did on that day. But it is wonderful for you to send teams. It is wonderful to come and visit a church and come and you know people there and you have friends there. So thank you so much. We appreciate your gifts. We appreciate your prayers, but we appreciate you getting to know us and being involved in our lives. That is a wonderful thing. Thank you so much. Well, I've got 10 minutes. If I disappear, you know that Dale has pressed the button and the trap door has opened. <laughs> uh, you know, this morning I wanted to share something with you from the scripture. Not so much about the work that we are doing, but I want to share with you about the work 
that God has been doing in us. You know, we are there in England not primarily to reach the English. We are there to reach Muslim immigrants. And we've decided to focus on Iranians and Afghans. Perhaps you know that Iran, of all the Muslim countries of the world, have been the most responsive to the gospel. And we've certainly seen that in England. Last summer, I was asked to teach a Bible study in an Iranian home. We knew a couple, Reza and Zari. We had known them for probably eight years. Uh, solid Christian couple. They asked, us to, asked me to come and teach a Bible study there. I was in their home. I was looking around the room, and there were eight faces, all Iranian. You know, it was a missionary's dream. And these were people, some of them were former Muslims who were now Christians, but some were just seekers. And I had them there. And they were eager, they were anxious to hear what the scripture had to say. You know, from a missionary's perspective, it just couldn't be any better than that, could it? I was thrilled, I was thankful for that. And yet, at the same time, there was some frustration in my heart. You know, I had spent countless hours with Iranians. I'd worked on their language, I'd eaten their food, and yet, shouldn't I know their culture better by now? Very often they would do things, and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And yet, shouldn't I be able, after this time, been working on the language for almost eight years, shouldn't I be able to teach and preach in Farsi? And so I was thankful for the opportunity, and yet on one level I was frustrated. And I thought to myself, if only... I had just come 10 years earlier. You know, I went to the mission field at the ripe old age of 55. Let me tell you, that's really old. Why, why didn't I come when I was 45 or even 35? Then I could have spent time and mastered the language. And think how much more effective I could have been. I could have been a much better teacher teaching the Bible. If I could have taught it in Farsi, it would have been so much clearer to them. I could have had so much more fruit. And I played that if only game. Do you know that game? If only God had done this. If only this had happened. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous game to play. We don't need to play that with God because why? Our God is the God of, of wisdom and covenant faithfulness in the circumstances that he sends to us. So I was frustrated. Do you see the flaw in my thinking? I was thinking, well, God's ministry in the hearts of these people, the work of God in the hearts of these people, who does it depend on? It depends on me. It depends on my understanding of the culture. It depends on my fluency in the language. Is that true? No, that's not true. And but God began to minister to me by reminding me of a recurring theme in 2 Corinthians. There's a motif in 2 Corinthians. Strength in weakness. Life out of death. In other words, the way of the cross. 
Let me read you familiar words from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is verses 9 and 10. These are words that I had memorized years ago. Memorized them in the King James. That's right, I'm old. Um, you know the context here. It's Paul's thorn in his flesh and he's prayed that God would remove it. And God didn't remove it. And here's what God said to him. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What had I missed you know, in my frustration, I had missed God's way. God demonstrates his power in and through us, not at the point of our strength, not at the point of our adequacy, but at the very point of my weakness. His power to change these people did not lie in my ability to understand their culture or even to speak their language. And you know what I begin to realize I began to realize no matter how much I learned about their culture or no matter how fluent I became in their language, I would always minister to Iranians, minister to these people from a place of weakness. And this was not a bad thing. This was a good thing. And because of those promises there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I begin to see my weakness as the basis for my hope and confidence that God would work in and through me to change these people. You know what I begin to notice? I'd teach a Bible study, and I would think after this Bible study was over, I think, hey, you really laid an egg that time. That was clear as mud. You didn't do a good job. These people are just going to be colossally confused. And then they would say to me afterwards, that spoke to me. Now I understand what God is saying. What's going on? Strength in my weakness. God's power, not at the point of my strength, at the point of my weakness. You know, why is this God's way? One last verse. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. The context here is when a person becomes a Christian, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shines in their heart and shows them Jesus. And so if you're a Christian, it's because God has shown in your heart and he's shown you Jesus, and that has become the treasure in your heart. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, or as the King James says, in earthen vessels to show the surpassing power, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You know, when God works this way, there's no question who gets the glory. You know, what, what is missions ultimately about? What is Christian service ultimately about. It is about spreading the gospel. It is about people being saved and being forgiven and on their way to heaven. But ultimately, what is it about? It is about God being glorified. 
strength and weakness, God's way, he gets the glory. What glorifies God? He saves people who could never save themselves, and he uses people who are unusable, like me and like you. Just in closing, I just want to ask you the question, what has God called you to do? What has God called you to do in this church? I want to challenge you, both of us. What do we need to do? We need to remind ourselves that God will use you. His power will use you and make you fruitful here, not at the point of your strength, but at the point of your weakness because God uses earthen vessels. He uses jars of clay. He uses common ordinary, sinful, weak people like me and like you, and he gets the glory. Thank you. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you all this morning. Our family is, is somewhat new to this congregation. We have some roots here. My, my grandmother uh, Patty Elderton used to sit uh, right over there uh, until she passed away two years ago. But uh, we are really thankful and really excited to be partnered with you all uh, in gospel ministry. Uh, we're going to be serving with the International Presbyterian Church. Uh, we're going to be serving actually with uh, the same church that Chuck is serving in at the International Presbyterian Church uh, in Ealing. In our role is, to going, is going to be to work with a church planter, uh, helping them to plant a gospel-proclaiming church uh, in England. And to help you kind of understand uh, this ministry and this mission, uh, I invite you to turn, if you, if you have your Bibles, to Isaiah chapter 6. This is a pretty well-known passage, and if you've been to many missions conferences or, or mission Sundays, you've probably heard this preached on uh, at one time or another. I want to share with you just a couple of thoughts from a, a small portion uh, of this passage uh, from Isaiah 6. I'll begin in verse 8 through the end of the passage. This is God's word. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie in waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Now we usually read those first two uh, verses, verses 8 and 9, and we stop there. And we say, well, God should, is, is calling some of you to go and you should go. And let's, let's put that out there. Yes, if God is calling you, you should go or you should come and, and, and serve uh, alongside of us. We would love to have you. But what I really want us to see is uh, the nature of the ministry that God calls Isaiah to. Did you pick up on it? Did you see what, what it basically said here? Uh, you're, I'm going to send you out uh, to this people, and uh, your ministry is going to be terrible. 
Uh, it's it's going to be an utter, by, by all standards of success, uh, it's going to be unsuccessful. I'm, I'm, I'm sending you out uh, to, to cut down these people uh, like a tree and, uh, it's in, and burn it and destroy it. And it's, it's just going to be a, a complete wasteland. And uh, we don't usually read that passage because that doesn't sound very good. But he does leave a glimmer of hope at the end. Did you pick up on it? He says in the very last verse, I'm going to leave a stump. And y'all don't look very excited about that. Maybe I didn't say it right. I'm going to leave a stump. Yeah, that, that was almost worse, wasn't it? Uh, we, we usually, you know, when I, I was growing up and, and uh, we had to have trees cut down, we usually didn't consider the job done until the stump had been destroyed. And we, one time we had a tree cut down and a guy brought this huge truck with a drill and he drilled down into the stump and ground up the stump and we said, okay, the job's done now. But God offers the stump as a symbol of hope. He says the stump is, is teeming with life. The stump is teeming with, with gospel hope. I was recently with my brother-in-law who uh, served in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And I was there in Kenya with him, and he showed me a banana tree in his backyard. Uh, and this tree was, was this really tall tree, and it was bearing uh, fruit, bananas. And it, the bananas were, were literally the size of, of this, this pulpit here. Uh, and he said, you know, this, it's going to keep uh, growing this, this stalk of bananas uh, until they're ripe, uh, and then it'll stop, and we'll cut down the bananas, and there'll be more bananas than my family can eat. We'll have to share them with, with dozens of friends. Uh, but then that tree will never bear fruit again. And the only thing we can do with it is cut it down. And from the stump of that tree, a new tree will grow up. And that tree will, will bear another stalk of bananas, at probably bigger than the previous stalk. And see, the beauty of the stump in this passage is that what we see in the New Testament, in the coming of Christ, is that a new tree is growing up out of that stump. And that tree will encompass every tribe, every nation, every people group throughout the world. And what we see in ministry in England, if you looked at the church there, what most of you would see is probably a stump. You know, the, the church there, less than 3% of the population of England is involved in a church like this one, a church that is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This from a nation that just over 100 years ago could claim to be the most evangelical nation in the world. But what we're here to tell you this morning and what we're, we're so excited and so encouraged about is that there is a remnant, there's a, a stump, if you will, that is teeming with life. And it gives us great hope. Uh, the three of us are involved in a denomination called the International Presbyterian Church. Uh, it's a church of, of about nine churches in England. And these churches, uh, their passion and their desire is to see their country taken with the gospel once again. And we are, are so blessed to have the opportunity to work uh, at first in Ealing, uh, where we're going to be uh, assisting an established church for a couple of years and, and really just learning uh, the, how ministry works there and learning about the culture. Uh, and then we're going to have an opportunity to go with one of these uh, young British pastors uh, and to assist them in planning a gospel-proclaiming, culturally British church in one of the cities of the UK. 
And what we want to ask you to do this morning is to pray for us. Uh, to pray for us as, as we prepare to move over, we hope, the first of the year, uh, to pray for our brothers and our sisters there. You know, we're going uh, not simply as, as our families uh, in ministry, but we're really going to, to be your ambassadors uh, to a church uh, that, that we have received the gospel from ourselves, uh, to be your ambassadors to stand with our brothers and sisters there uh, in a time of great need. And so please pray for England. Please pray for uh, the, the gospel churches uh, will be raised up uh, as we go and we work uh, with our brothers and sisters. Pray that the stump that remains of gospel Christianity will grow and bear even greater fruit uh, than before. Thank you. Well, I second my brothers uh, just in the fact that it's a privilege to be here, to be with uh, partners in the gospel and really with family. I appreciate Dale just mentioning us as family. Um, that's encouraging. And I, I appreciate uh, those of you who have reached out to get to know us personally. We, that is so encouraging to have people that know us, that we know, that we know you, and to have that relationship really is key um, as we go out and as all of our families are in, on the mission field. To have relationship is so important. So thank you uh, for that. Um, so just a bit about my family. My name is Michael Davis. Michelle, Michelle is my wife, and we have two daughters, Sarah Kate and Evelyn. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to be working with the IPC as well, the International Presbyterian Church, as has already been mentioned. Uh, but we're going to a part of England um, that maybe folks don't think as much about. We're going up to the northwest, and we're going to a small village there, um, in between Manchester and Liverpool. And many of you have heard of this village. It's called Colcheth uh, because you guys have been partnered with Trace and Ginger Donahue for uh, about four years now. They're in Colcheth. And they're working with Colchester Community Church. Uh, we're going to be able to join them on a team to work with this church in the Northwest in a small village. So we're encouraged. We're excited to go and be a part of what they're doing. And um, just, again, I always like to give folks a, an idea geographically of where this is. Um, if you're in London and you go to Euston Station and you catch a train towards Glasgow and you get off after about two and a half hours in Warrington, and then you get in a car and drive about 15 minutes, you'll be in the little village of Colcheth. And it is, uh, and as, I've, as I said, it's a small village. It's a population of about 11,000 people. Um, and to continue with the theme of smallness, we're going to a small village. As has already been mentioned, as Rob was saying, we're working with a small denomination, nine churches. We are working, uh, joining with Christians in England that represent less than 3% of the population who are attending an, a gospel-preaching church. Um, we, we're go the congregation we're going to is small, 25 to 30 people. It's a core group. It's a strong core group, but they're small. So we're working with something that seems and feels very small, and it might sound discouraging, and sometimes Things like We think about things like that. We think about who we are as Christians in the world today, and we think, wow, in the West, we feel so, we're beginning to feel smaller and smaller. You know, what is happening? Here, here in the U.S. even, is we're following in many ways behind what's happening in Western Europe. And you know, that can be discouraging, but if we think about God's Word and how He works 
and, and it really fits so well with what Chuck has already said about fi finding strength, God being strong in weakness. I'm encouraged by that, and I was encouraged by what Chuck had to say, and I also am encouraged by the way Jesus compares the kingdom to the mustard seed. In Mark chapter 4, as he's teaching on the kingdom, he does compare it to a mustard seed. And this is what he says. He says, what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. I'm encouraged by that. And if we think about how God works, he uses the small, the, the, the seemingly insignificant things. Jesus was not a man who the world thought much of from a worldly perspective. He was a man from Nazareth. If you think of the disciples, they were a group of fishermen, uneducated fishermen, a group of nobodies. We, you see how God works in establishing and building his kingdom he likes to use the small things, the things that look weak in the world's eyes, because it's, it shows him to be strong. It shows him to receive the glory from what he's doing. And so I'm encouraged by that. And even as we think of ourselves, I know I, at times, feel so weak and inadequate to be able to live out the calling that the Lord has placed on mine and my family's lives to go and work in England. Um, and I want to encourage you as well, if you're at times wondering, you know, I feel so insignificant as a Christian. What is my impact? Uh, how, how am I going to share the gospel in my sphere of influence? I feel so inadequate. Just be reminded from God's word that he likes to use the small and seemingly insignificant things to build his kingdom on. And if we're, again, just reminded from Paul, I'm so thankful, again, from Chuck's message in, the, in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he says... Consider our own, he, he reminds us of considering our own callings. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. It is for his glory that he uses us at all. And it is a great privilege when we think of it in that way. It, it is so encouraging to know that we have the privilege of being a part of God's kingdom work. And I want to encourage you with that. You are a part of God's kingdom work here in Irmo, in South Carolina. And he can and will use you at your point of weakness. Um, so just to go back to what's happening in Colchester with the, the, the mustard seed in the little village in the Northwest, working with the, the little denomination of the IPC. The Lord has planted that mustard seed. Uh, Colchester Community Church is planted firmly in the village center. They've opened up, I'm sure you've heard from Trace and Ginger already of the cafe that they've opened in the center of the village. That being, the purpose of that being to get to know people in the community, to be outward facing, to build relationships with people who would otherwise not set foot in a church and to bring the gospel to bear in those relationships. So that is happening. Even uh, 
just a few weeks ago, they got together for a prayer meeting, and each of the members of that core group church were listing off people's names that they've gotten to know, asking for prayer for them, that they would come to know Christ. So they are building relationships, and the Lord is bringing fruit from the efforts of the cafe. It is so encouraging. And going forward, they've put together plans for particularization, to, to plant themselves as a particularized church in the IPC. And one key need they have right now for that is for a teaching elder. And so as we, as a family, we go over, um, I will be able to help meet that need. And again, I think about my own weakness and think, how am I, you know, I'm inadequate for this. But I'm encouraged again by, by the way the Lord works in building his kingdom. So we will go with, as a family with open hearts to serve this little church and to serve the IPC. And going forward, that will be me being able to join the team with Trace and Bruce. I know you guys met Bruce uh, about this time last year. Um, to be able to shepherd the people, to, to go out and, and share the gospel in the community, to build relationships in the cafe, and long-term, Lord willing, to see the, the tree blossom out of the mustard seed, to see other churches planted in the Northwest, and to be a part of, the privilege of being a part of that would be just wonderful, it would be a joy. So pray for us as a family. Pray for us as we transition. Pray for these, these guys as well. Um, pray for our families as we go, at, for us particularly in our timing. We hope to be there by February. We're expecting another child in April. Um, the Lord has all this under control. Um, so pray that we would trust him in all of that as we go. Pray for the leadership of Colchester Community Church, for Trace and Bruce. They're working so hard, and the Lord is using them mightily. Pray for those guys, and pray for the IPC that the Lord would use that small denomination to replant the gospel in England. And again, I just want to encourage you as from that place of weakness, go out with the gospel. The Lord will use it, and it will use it for his glory. So thank you again so much for, for allowing us to be here today. A little bit of uh, context uh, now that you've seen them. Of course, you've uh, met Chuck a number of times uh, as we've had a relationship with he and Waima for a number of years, and uh, we've added both of these families this year, and so um, we're delighted you could be here. Here's what I want you to do is during this last hymn, if you will get your uh, families, because our congregation, they like you guys, but they will really enjoy meeting Waima and uh, uh, Jenny and Michelle and your your children. I don't think you brought any grandchildren, did you? No, okay. All right. Uh, and they'll be in the gathering place out there uh, following the service, so I hope you'll take that opportunity to greet them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, these you've called first to yourself and then uh, to, to go to another land, uh, leaving family behind, and that's difficult. Thank you for these three powerful uh, visuals that we've had of, of weakness and how you are glorified in that, of, uh, of the stump and how there is still life in that 
Stump and how you love to work in the small things. Thank you for the encouragement for us in that. As we always tend to look at the bigger churches, the bigger ministries, uh, no matter what size you are, that's always the case. And yet, uh, it's clear that's how you work in your kingdom. Thank you for that encouragement, Lord. We pray for support needs. We pray that you would fill those needs, and uh, we know you can do that. That's no big task for you, and I, I pray for each of these families that you would grant your peace and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.